compliment for us is a compliment for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Porch Podcast. My name is Kate Cotton, and I am here this week with an illustrious guest host, Mr. Chris Thomas. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm good, Kate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, Many of you might recognize Chris's name um, as he is a frequent emailer of the show and a much appreciated frequent emailer of the show. He always has some great insight. So um, I kind of thought it would be a good idea to have him Uh, talking with me about our Pearl Jam song choice of the week this week. Um, But before we get into uh, talking about Chris and his Pearl Jam fandom, I'm just going to do some brief housekeeping, remind everyone who we are and where to find us. So we are The Porch Podcast. Um, Normally my co-host is Jessie Zilka. She's just taking a little bit of time off right now. Um, So that's why we're doing this whole guest host series. Um, we are a podcast fully dedicated to the Pearl Jam songbook. We pick a song pretty much randomly every week. Uh, we talk about, um, what the song means to the fans, to the band, to the world in general. And we just, you know, just do our favorite thing. Talk about Pearl Jam. Um, you could find us in a bunch of different locations. You can find us on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram, pretty mostly active on Instagram being millennials. Um, and then you could also reach us via email. We love to hear, uh, from our emailers. Everybody has such great insight and they always put their heart and soul into their emails. Our email is pjporchpodcast at gmail.com. And lastly, but certainly not least, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash the porch podcast. We have multiple tiers that you could donate to our show, and we promise you that every penny that goes into our Patreon goes back to you guys. We like to do giveaways. We like to do mystery boxes, all that fun type of thing. So now that I've gotten all of the fun, boring stuff out of the way, um, I am going to let Chris introduce himself a little bit. So Chris, I have some Pearl Jam icebreaker questions for you. So putting Pearl Jam aside for just a second, why don't you just let our listeners quickly know like who you are, what do you do, where you come from? Just give us a general sense of uh, what's going on in Chris's world. Okay. Well, in Chris's world, um, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with my wife, Morgan. So we've lived in Wisconsin for almost nine years now. I'm actually a native of Kansas City, Missouri. So I lived there for the first 29 years of my life. So I've um, obviously right now it's a very exciting time for me again, because I'm very much looking forward to the Super Bowl. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to be such a good one. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I grew up with, with all the, the Kansas city fandom and, um, you know, we, we love Wisconsin though. I mean, it's, it's felt like home since we got to Milwaukee. Um, we live in the city just, a just a little bit North of downtown. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, cool restaurants, bars and whatnot, uh, record stores. Unfortunately, we haven't been to any recently, but, you know, I can't wait yeah. for them to open back up and, and visit them again. Um, yeah, uh, for a living, I uh, have a degree in chemistry. And I, <laughs> and I actually... Says very few people ever. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think... Uh, Walter White and I can probably share that sentiment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I pretty much what I do right now is I I oversee the making of chemicals. Um, it's yeah, it's, I'm kind of like the chef in the kitchen, I guess, in a way. And I've got line cooks. Um, 
making stuff. So, yeah. You know, I wish I had uh, something I could contribute to a conversation about chemistry with a chemist, but I don't. <laughs> chemistry was easily the hardest subject that I ever yeah. took in school. I Even the most basics, I never understood it. That's just not the way my brain works. So yeah. I admire you for that. <laughs> and being able to oversee anybody doing some sort of chemistry is just mind-boggling to me yeah, it's it's been an adventure but uh, i got a really good team that works for me and you know it makes makes my job very enjoyable i think that's one of those things i mean you could correct me if i'm wrong but you kind of have to love it to do it mm -hmm. or like you or to because that seems like it takes a lot of brain work and um but that's just my you know stereotypical judgment of it i could be wrong yeah and actually that's that's the fun part is when you're trying to come up with ideas i guess that was always my favorite thing in school was just like sitting around trying to come up with something and then you try it and it doesn't work. And then you yeah. pick yourself back up, you come up with another idea and you do it all over again. That's always kind of the vicious cycle of yeah. graduate school. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoy, enjoy chemistry. I love talking about it and I love working in it. Awesome. And I, and I got to yeah. mention one more thing too. Um, most, you know, our, this video won't be on YouTube because we don't have that capability without Jesse, but I just want to mention to our listeners that Chris has a wonderful looking cat poster behind him right now <laughs> that my eyes keep getting very drawn to. And I know that you have at least and one cat, right? We have three and that's from a oh, cat fest. God. That's from a cat festival we went to in Minneapolis. A I'm sorry. Pause. Seven years ago. Pause, cat no video pun intended. Festival. Yep. A cat festival? Cat video festival. Oh my god! So this was like have... the heyday when like Grumpy Cat and Little oh, Bub. I love Grumpy Cat. Um, yeah, I think Les Shot Noir, but yeah, we actually got to meet Grumpy Cat and Little Bub, and it was like oh god, the greatest thing ever. I for could my literally wife. cry right now. <laughs> you and my wife would get along very well. Um, but oh. it, it was really cool. I mean, there were a lot of people there, and it was at the. Uh, um, the art museum downtown and we just you know we stayed there a couple nights and had a really good time oh my gosh i hope that once the world goes back to normal that i can find somewhere near me that has some sort of cat related video whatever type of festival yeah. because that's like a dream come true for me i i have a um i was like so devastated when grumpy cat passed away yeah. and you know i i won't talk about cats this whole podcast i promise but um i i even have like a a friend of mine we were out at um like a, a gaming place like a dave and busters or something and um a friend of mine uh her f uh, husband at the time um uh, still her husband i don't know why i said that um her husband like won all these tickets or whatever and then they surprised me because they saw that there was like this grumpy cat stuffed animal in the gift shop or whatever and they spent all their tickets and they got me this grumpy cat oh, and it's cool. been in the back of my like it sits on the back of my car and looks out all the people driving behind me and so they, they know what my attitude is you know yes. what i mean oh my god i love it so much so rest in peace grumpy cat yeah. we love you um, but yes, moving on from cats because this girl <laughs> could go on and on forever. It's a shame I don't have one, but it's not my, it's not by choice. Sure. Trust me. Um, so we are going to move on now to our Pearl Jam icebreaker questions. I have two questions for Chris. Saying questions and Chris in the same sentence is not it's easy. It's not easy to say. I, also, I can understand. I had quite a bit of, yeah, I had quite a bit of sugar before we hopped on here because I was a little tired. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm like zooming right now so bear yeah, with just, me just don't crash but yeah i i might i might i <laughs> okay. might be asleep by the end of this i'll let you take over um all right so question one is if you could go back in time 
to any Pearl Jam show, which one would you go to? I would go back to the East Troy show in 2011 um, because that's the one I regret oh. the most not going to. Um, I was we were living in Chicago at the time, so it would have only been an hour drive. And I came up with every excuse as to why I was too busy and too broke not to go. But I wish I, I could have found a way. But, you know, I, I think the Brads did an episode on that show and made me feel even worse because it, it sounded really <laughs> awesome. But but I just keep thinking of that because, you know, I had a bunch of friends and coworkers who kept bugging me. He's like, dude, you're going to go to that show up in Wisconsin? Like, ah, I can't, man. You know, I got to install the money and I got so much work yeah. to do. And I just regret that so much. Isn't it so funny how, like, you look back and it's like, you know, all you think about is the fact that you missed it. Like, I'm sure you don't even remember, mm -hmm. like, what the work was that you had to do. Like, all, I mean, I'm sure at the time it was important and it's hard yeah. to, like, you know, think ahead like that. Like, this is going to mean more to me than whatever else I have going on. But I totally, I totally get that. Especially having gone through many years of school and, like, having no money, working part-time jobs and stuff. Like, yeah. that just, you know... It's so, tough. So I could I could have found a way, but uh, unfortunately I didn't. That's all right. Yeah, there's a reason for everything. I mean, yes. You know, I, I when I think of this question, I think of like because I was a young Pearl Jam fan when Pearl Jam or no, I'm sorry, I was a young person, not a Pearl Jam fan. I was just a young, too young of a person to attend most of Pearl Jam's early shows. So, you know, I, I watch mm -hmm. these old clips, and you know, like I look at like um, Pink Pop and. Lollapalooza yeah. and stuff and I watched that and like in total awe and amazement that um you know this was happening and I I was like I don't know maybe not even born at the time <laughs> so it's yeah. just like uh it, I wish if there were a time machine I would utilize it for Pearl Jam shows only and like that Me is too. a fact. Me yeah. too. I would have I would have told um 11 year old Chris to have gotten into them sooner than he did. Yes. But you know <laughs> Made up for lost time, I guess. Yeah, exactly. All right. So my next and final question for you, and I think this is an interesting one a little bit, and it's okay. a hard one, I think. Okay. Um, if you could grab a drink with any band member, who Ooh. would you choose? Oh, Jeff. Oh, I, yeah. I, Why is that? I love, uh, I mean, Jeff, I, I love his artistic, um, I guess his artistic interests and skills. I, I love the fact that, I mean, it's, you know, we always, I always hear you guys talk about, oh yeah, it's definitely, definitely Eddie's song. This is definitely a Stone song. There's no way in, in, in hell you cannot distinguish a Jeff song from it. I mean, his, his stuff is just so unique compared to everyone else in the band. And yeah. I, I just, I really enjoy that about him. I, um, don't know a whole lot about his background, but still, I mean, every time I look at the dude, I'm just like, man, that guy looks so cool. I, I just want to be meant. But uh, <laughs> I hope I look yeah, like I, that when I'm 55, you know? I know, right? <laughs> he really does. He pulls it off. And he always yeah. has. Like, obviously, Eddie is, like, the front man, and he's cool mm -hmm. in that sense, like, where he's just, like, chill. And, you know, he's just got that perfect personality for the role. But yeah. Jeff is the is like the one guy in the band that just seems like the skater kid down the road or yep. whatever that just like wants to hang and seems he seems easy to talk to so I think yeah. that's a good reason to choose him. He seems like um not intimidating at all. No, I don't I don't know I don't know what it is. He I, maybe it's cuz he always seems like he's goofy or smiley on stage or what. 
Um, he yeah, he just seems like a guy you'd pass on the street and yeah. you know have no troubles you know sparking up a conversation with. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who I would choose. I feel like the obvious choice is Eddie, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Like, I think I would need to drink a lot <laughs> before, <laughs> before build up the courage. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. Yeah. I like I wouldn't feel worthy or something. Which I know I just build up this image of him in my head, and I think we all do. Yeah. Like, he really is just another guy. He's a dad, like a husband. He's just you know, a guy making a living, and he loves what he does. Um, and, but we love what he does so much, and there's yeah. so much admiration behind all of it, which we'll definitely get into when we talk about the song we're talking about, that it's just like, it's like being in the presence of someone that I don't deserve to be in the presence with, which is why I would need at least like two to three like hard drinks before I open my mouth in front of him. That, yeah, you know what? I, I hear you on that. I think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what I would do if I saw Eddie. I, I would probably just stand there frozen for a while and just be like, what do I go say to him? Do I try to go say anything to him? I just, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I put myself in this situation a lot in my imagination mm-hmm. because I do fear that it might happen one day. And I use fear like genuinely. Like, I don't, I, I'm not the type of person that, um, you know, easily starts conversations with people or it can just be like, hey, or whatever. Like, I've never walked up to it. Like, I've seen some celebrities here and there. I've never spoken to any of them um, for a reason. So, but I know, speaking of regret, like, I would regret it the rest of my life if I knew I was, like, within feet of my idol and I didn't say something. But I just feel, like, stupid. Like, how do you, like, oh, my God, hi, Eddie, I love you. Like, what do you fucking say? I don't know. I don't know either. I'd, I'd be like, do you know who you are? I mean, I just. <laughs> yes. Excuse but, me. Are you aware yeah, of who yeah. you are? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for answering those uh, personal yeah. and Pearl Jam related questions. I just wanted to give our audience a feel of what kind of Pearl Jam fan you are. Um, so I think I'm not going to do emails this week. Um, we didn't really get any as far as i'm aware um so we're gonna skip over that maybe next week we'll have some emails to read so i think for now i think we might be ready to go on the song what do you think uh let's do it all right chris what song will we be talking about today we will be talking about man of the hour hour yeah an eddie vetter original so what i'm gonna do because chris and i discussed this beforehand there's a ton of stuff mm-hmm. to talk about with this song oh, a surprising yeah. amount of stuff yeah, i was to shocked talk about with this song considering yeah. it was never yeah considering it was never a single on an album no it was a single. was it a single it was a single yeah the, um i had the single actually yes yeah, so, so but like it but, wasn't uh, yeah like in well, the sense that we think of like a popular single, like that's yeah. Not I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, it was just part of a soundtrack. Right. Okay. Sorry, Chris. You cut out there, but I think I could hear you now. Um, 
Yeah, so you were just saying that it was part of... It was a single that was like part I think it, of the soundtrack, but it was also released as a single yeah. on its own. That I don't I know. I, 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 they might have just, I don't know. I didn't look that anyway, up. Anyway, I it's I don't have it anywhere in my notes. So, oh no, okay, here I do. I don't either. I swear to God, I do a podcast. Okay. I do a podcast weekly. All right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read our facts, and then me and Chris <laughs> are gonna just have a discussion based on all of the <laughs> other information that's out there about this song because there's a lot. So, <clears throat> the song Man of the Hour was originally recorded and released for the Big Fish soundtrack. Um, it's the first song in the album. It was released on that soundtrack on December 23rd, 2003. But it was released a month prior as a single on November 26, 2003. Um, it is also included on the Greatest Hits uh, album, yeah. Rearview Mirror, which was released in 2004. <clears throat> um... Then we have, so I'm going to jump right into the live facts, which uh, we have it being played a total of 50, five zero times. Um, the first being played at the very famous performance on October 22nd, 2003 at Benaroya Hall in Seattle, Washington. The last time it was played was July 1st, 2018 at the O2 Arena in Prague. Um, and then we have the most commonly song played before as Rearview Mirror or Wasted Reprise. Most commonly song played after as elderly woman. Makes sense. Whew. So we're thinking that probably Rearview Mirror was like a set ender, right? I'm thinking like, so. I mean, that would make a lot of sense to me. I mean, yeah, it typically is. Yeah, because thinking about like the context of a show and hearing Rearview Mirror and then them just running into Man of the Hour right away doesn't make much sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it yeah. had to be an encore opener in that case. Yeah, def- definitely. Yeah. I, I did look All up right. some of the other ones too. Like, I guess the one that really sticks out to me is Blood. <laughs> I mean, I definitely don't. What, as don't. being played before the song? No, I think, uh, yeah, playing before it. So that's, uh, I thought yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't make sense. Because this is a sit down song. This is not a song that, unless maybe Eddie's performing it solo, like, this is definitely a song that they're going to slow build into something. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about. Um, all, all the stuff. There's a lot of things going on with this song. So um, I do want to put a little bit of a disclaimer out there now that maybe if you haven't seen the movie Big Fish and you do want to see it, um, maybe pause this podcast, go watch it, <laughs> and then come back to it once we're done because we are going to spoil the shit oh, out yeah. of it. Um, this oh, song yeah. has a lot to has a lot to do with the film. Um, we're probably going to get a little emotional about it because we both cried when we watched it recently. And um, it's just, you know, we don't want to spoil anybody who wants to see that movie and enjoy it, like, in their own space. We don't want to ruin that for anyone. So, you've been warned. Don't blame me. Um, So, that being said, uh, Big Fish was directed by Tim Burton. um, And Tim Burton had approached Pearl Jam back in 2003 to request an original song for the soundtrack. Um, and what I have here is that after screening an early print of the film, uh, Eddie went home and wrote Man of the Hour, I think in like a cut, like in a couple, like, I don't know. He wrote it in like 10 minutes or something crazy like that. That might be an exaggeration, but he wrote it like that day. It's pretty close. One shot. Yeah. Yeah. And like the next day they had a demo ready. Um, and then only four days later it was fully recorded. I'm going to have a quote from Mike McCready saying, we were so blown away by the movie, Eddie and I were standing around talking about it afterwards and were teary-eyed. We were so emotionally charged and moved by the, by the imagination and humanity that we felt because of the movie. So, all that being said, Chris, 
How did you feel when you watched this movie recently? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what's interesting is I've only seen the movie twice. Uh, the first time was like the year after it came out. And then, you know, uh, here very recently I just watched it. And I, I would imagine I probably ended up reacting the same way I did in the last 10 minutes or so. It was, um, yeah. I mean, it's it definitely has Tim Burton all over it. But then the way it hits a head at the end is just, it's overwhelming um, yeah. how it just, how it just kind of, you know, the way, so I guess to go back about the whole story, it's about a father and a son and the father um, essentially is, he's about to pass away and his son comes to visit him and he recalls all the, you know, the, the, I guess the larger than life stories that his dad told about himself, you know, throughout his life growing up. And it got to the point where he just thought his dad was full of it. And he just loved to basically fantasize about things just to get people to listen to him. Um, but all of that build up for, I don't know, the first, you know, 80% of the movie leads into essentially his dad is, you know, he's, he's on his deathbed and he, um, basically wants his son to help him, um, tell the story of, of his last days on earth. And that's when I really started to, to lose it because his son fully embraces it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it goes back to, it might go back to, um, when he's talking about looking in the, the glass eye of the witch and like seeing how he actually dies. And I, I'm wondering if his son actually remembers him telling that story maybe. And he's mm -hmm. somehow maybe retelling that in his last moments. But regardless, like the fact that he, he, he embraces it. He, you know, carries him to the river with all of the characters in the background is, it's very touching. It is. And like you said, it, it is very Tim Burton-y in the sense that it's a very fantastical movie. Um, a lot of the storytelling is so dramatic and, you know, weird and funky and things like you would not see in normal life. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the idea is like, that's the way this man tells his stories to his son. And like you said, his son kind of never wanted to give him the time of day for it because it was just ridiculous to him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like how Eddie and Mike were standing around teary eyed at the end of it when and especially when the song plays afterwards, it's just so much like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I think the son finally realizes like the value of seeing life the way through his father's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I do find it interesting that his son wasn't able to embrace that for his whole life that, you know, he just like you said, like he thought it was just an attention getter. Yeah. Um, but really, at the end of the day, the, the whole the whole thing with these stories is that they were all true. Um, it was just a way, his way of telling them was yeah. so ridiculous that his son couldn't believe anything that he said. Um, but really, at the end of the day, like, he was, he's sitting there with his dying father and he, he, he essentially grants him his final wish and he, he kind of passes away happy in his last moments. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, it's just too much. Yeah. Um, no, and, so, and, yeah. and for me, it was like, it wasn't like just all out bawling. It was like me trying to fight back the tears. And then it was like, yeah. then trying to fight back the blubbering. <laughs> yeah. Because it just, it just kept getting more and more emotional for me. Yeah. And it's just the last scene when, when you see 
when he's telling the story of um, him carrying him to the river mm-hmm. um, and all of the people in his life who loved him are there waiting to watch him be, you know, brought to the river and they're all clapping and, you know, clearly loving this man. And then, and then he passes away. And in real life, you, you enter his funeral and all these people are there too. And they're all sharing. They're all like, obviously they're mourning, but then at the end you kind of see that they're all happy because they're sharing stories about him. And Mm -hmm. I think the son, the son is like, finally hearing the stories from the other perspectives and you know his wife and he's about to have a child and it's all just very circle of life i guess you could say um and really kind of uh, you know hones in on that point that um you know life is really worth living but only if you're living it to like your your fullest potential mm-hmm. and you know to the, your fullest imagination because otherwise what you know what is it all for um and mm-hmm. i i do think that the son realizes that in his final moments with his father you know, and you kind of hope too, like that his for his future family that he is, he he learns he learns that and kind of brings that to his own children as well, and yeah. you know, kind of doesn't take life too seriously. You know, oh, great movie, great film. Yeah, it was. I, I highly recommend. Yeah, I, in terms of the crying and the emotional <laughs> breakdown, um, I I'm you know I'm a pretty easy crier when it comes to movies. Like it doesn't really take too much for me. So. Like this, I was easily triggered and I was just, you know, just like doing like the tears were casually rolling down the cheeks. But like as it ended, I was full. I was blubbering. I was yeah. like makeup down the face, like boo, boo, boo. Like the lips were trembling. Like it was the whole thing. It was. Oh, yeah. I was I was sitting, you know, watching the movie. My wife was in the other room. She comes in. She's like, are you OK? Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but I, I, yeah. I do think that, you know, like in terms of going through a loss, um, obviously this movie is a little triggering, but it is also, I, I think it's very ther- uh, therapeutic and cathartic to watch this story because it, it reminds you that, you know, somebody dying is, is essentially a celebration of their life. And it's not, um, obviously it's, it's like the worst thing to go through, but there are the things that you can find in it that are joyous. And I, I think this movie is a really good reminder of that. And, you know, it, it does give you that opportunity and that space to be extremely emotional. Um, so that's another thing that I really loved about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's easy to feel like life is just kind of mundane and right. eventually it gets to a point where you feel like, you know, you've, you've kind of leveled out in life and you don't have anything to look forward to. But right. um, yeah, I mean that, that type of, way i guess to to imagine it and share your imagination like that i mean that i would imagine that um oh i forget his father's name that's terrible um but um his father's you know ends up you know i just i just wonder if it's kind of like when you're daydreaming um in school when you're little you know it's like i would always think about myself in like some i don't know superhero situation or you know being something i wish i was and it seems like he never he never lost that type of imagination and that type of way to yeah i don't know again not to not to make life seem mundane exactly and you know it it kind of seems like he has the the answer to it all the key to it all because he also never really feared death yeah um which I truly admire because it's like my biggest fear. Um, so like for him to not fear death 
and then to only remember his life in a way that is so fantastical um you know it's probably hard for a regular adult to digest and even watching it you're kind of watching it like this is ridiculous like there's no way you are right like you get that feeling no, like, there's no way that even if these stories are true that they actually happened like even close to this way well, yeah, that's that's like the tim ridiculous. burton feel because you're just kind of like oh yes. that tim burton <laughs> yeah, exactly. it really is but yeah. then you kind of realize at the yeah. end like oh my god i'm just like his kid i'm just like another adult going through life being like this is all bullshit and you're making this up like there's no way um, and then when he finally embraces it, like you kind of embrace it too. Yeah. And it's just like so emotional. It's just, uh, it's, it's really, a, it's a great film. And oh, yeah. you know, if you haven't seen it out there and we've already spoiled the whole thing for you, well, I mean, I'll, I don't I'll, think it's a huge spoiler. But I'll spoil one more thing it. because okay. I think the real turning point is when he asks the family doctor who's played by Robert Gollum, uh, mm-hmm. may he rest in peace, but he just, you know, he asks him if he would actually tell him the story of his birth. And he just, you know, basically, you know, he said like two or three sentences about it. And, and because he just wanted to know, because his dad always told like this, you know, outrageous story. And he thanked the doctor for saying it. And he said, well, you know what? Actually, I liked it a lot better the way your father told it. And I would like to hear yeah. that story told about me the same way. Yeah. And I think that kind of started to turn his son um yeah in that direction yeah it it, that's definitely one of the that's like the moment where he kind Mm -hmm. of realizes what the point of it all was why his father was the way that he was and i do i do appreciate too we could go on this we could do a whole podcast about this but um i do appreciate that his father he he never really faltered at at all like his son was kind of frustrated Mm -hmm. with him his whole life like they show clips of him even when he's like in the Boy Scouts and he's like so over his dad's stories because, again, it's like, you know, he gets all this attention from them. And he's like, well, what about me? Um, but he never falters. He he's this is just the way he sees the world and his yeah. own life. And it's and that's the way he's he's going to tell it literally up until the day that he dies. Um, and I think that's admirable as well, because, you know, we live in a world that really wants to get you down. And uh, he, this he doesn't let it. Um, no, he doesn't. And I, I really do think that the ending is so pure in that sense that I I think his son starts to realize that, that you know, like, like the world maybe got me down, but at least in my last moment with you, I'm not going to let it. And we're going to enjoy life the way that you enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll talk about the song that Pearl Jam wrote about this yeah. wonderful movie. Um, I have some notes about some critical reception. Um uh heather ferris from all music she said that though burton's quirky i like this review though burton's quirky eerie aesthetic would normally be at odds with pearl jam's earnestness the two work well together here with the song touching on the film's warmth and adding a bit of earthiness to its daydreaming nature i think that's such a great description because Mm. um you really wouldn't think like hey let's get pearl jam to write a tim burton song because they are like she uses the term earnest they're very like honest and they're not like or eddie's isn't usually super imaginative in his lyrics like he's very poetic but it's not Mm -hmm. it's not like tim burton poetry it's like eddie vetter poetry it's a different type of thing but i do think eddie really um is able to pick out the message from this film um and and kind of take that piece out of it and and put that on display with this song yeah uh, i think he hits it on the head with the lyrics, I mean, it's, you know, I've even, 
I've even stated that, you know, talking about death, you know, whenever I go, I'd like for this song to be sung at my funeral. You know, that's, that's just how mm-hmm. close I feel to it. And why ultimately, I mean, it, it just, it, it definitely encompasses, you know, the whole, you know, I mean, it's the man of the hour is taking his final bow. I mean, it's, and that's really mm-hmm. how, how, you know, him, releasing his father into the river and his dad turns into a catfish. That's the other thing, mm-hmm. the big fish and <laughs> yeah. swims away. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that this, this was just so, so perfectly written for this movie. Yeah, it, it really was. And then we have another quote from, um, Barry Walters from Rolling Stone. He said that the star, the star is the film's end titles end title closer, Pearl Jam's man of the hour, which captures the darkness of Big Fish's shen- this is like such a tongue twister captures the darkness of Big Fish's central Oedipal conflict. <laughs> um, in the DVD release, uh, Tim Burton raves about the song, calling it beautiful and so right, and noting how well it matched and mirrored the film. Um, and I think I could speak for both of us when I say that um, could not agree more. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> some less um, movie related facts about this one. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. I have <clears throat> something stuck in my throat. Um, so we have the single of the song also featuring a demo version of Edder alone on vocals and guitar as B-side. Now, Chris, you sent me a picture. I believe, didn't you get the single of this song? Yeah, I have it on CD. Um, and it has it the B-side? It does. Yeah. Um, I have not listened to the B-side yet. I just, I got it more out of wanting to collect it, but, uh, I, right. I think the only CD player I have right now is in my car, but <laughs> which, know. you know, um, which actually I, I'm going to say this real quick. This is a shout out to okay. Jesse. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jesse got me a copy of 10. Uh-huh. Um, I think for one of my, she got me some type of, a, I, I bought a care package. So I, I can't remember if yeah. she or her dad actually had the idea of giving me 10. And ever since I got it, it has been in my CD player of my car. Oh, so every now perfect. and then I turn it on, but yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring up the whole CD thing because I was talking to my friends the other day and I was telling them how I spent a fortune at my local record store on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a fortune, but, you know, a pretty decent haul. Um, and I I always like go straight to the Pearl Jam CDs because they tend to have lots of used bootlegs yeah. there. And I just whenever I see one, I try to buy it because I just want to have it mm-hmm. um, being a total nerd. I just want to have it. And my friend's like, what? Why'd you buy a CD? It's yeah. <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> Um, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I guess because I just really wanted to have it in my collection. She's like, how do you even listen to a CD? And I said my car, because my car does still have a CD player in it. Um, But I don't know what I'm going to do once I get a new car, because Mm -hmm. I have no other way of listening to CDs. I don't even have a thing in my laptop. Like, I, it's all... I don't either. We live in a total CD-less world now. I know. Oh, I, like I, I, I've gone, I've gone backwards now I'm on vinyl, you know, it's like, <laughs> I know, well, that's, I feel like, I feel like what's going to happen is like, um, you know, vinyl is making a huge comeback yep. and with this whole digital era, I really think, I mean, who knows, call me crazy, but I'm calling it now. There might be like a, a CD resurgence as well, because CD was like, I mean, maybe cas- cassette tapes will come first. So it'll be vinyl is now maybe in like, oh, don't forget 10, the eight track. 
Eh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe in like 10 to 30 years, we'll get the cassette tapes and then we'll get some CDs. So I'm holding on to my CDs. I don't, I don't want to get rid of them, but I, I also don't like, don't want to. Yeah. I also don't want to like buy a CD player though. (laughs) Like I don't, I just need to know that they're in my possession. I know all of ours, most of ours are down in storage and I was going through the bin one time like, oh my gosh. I, I forgot I had this and this and this, but yeah, uh, yeah Ugh, maybe yeah. maybe it'll be another uh, yeah comeback for the CD. I hope so. I do. Maybe all these CDs I have will be worth something one day. Yeah. Um. So furthering the critical reception of the song, I did not realize this that the song was actually nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah. Um. Did not win, but it was nominated, which is pretty cool. Um. This and also. This is super interesting um, because it kind of dates the song a little bit. The single was made available for purchase through the band's official website as well as through Amazon.com. And it was the Pearl Jam's first release without a label in partnership with Amazon.com. So this is like back when, I guess, when did the song come out? Oh, three. Like, um, yeah. Uh, kind of back when Amazon was like a bookstore. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was only buying textbooks from Amazon at that time. Yeah, I don't even really remember Amazon. I mean, I do. Yeah. I was like 10 or 11, but why would I be on Amazon.com? I do remember, though, like, I always used my mom's Amazon account, and it said that she's been a member. I saw it, like, recently. I was like, Mom, you've been a member of Amazon since, like, 2002? Like, that's what it says. I'm like, I didn't even know that Amazon was a thing then, but it was a totally different website at the time. Yeah. But no. it's crazy to think that that technology does date back almost 20 years now. It does. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure, sh- I know I had to buy some textbooks for classes back then. That's how I got signed up for Amazon. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I've, I've purchased many a textbook on Amazon as well. And I so badly want to get away from purchasing on Amazon so often because I kind of like yeah. want to, you know, fight the system. Well, um, now they don't, but... now Jeff Bezos isn't the CEO anymore. So. Oh, he's not? No, it, it just got announced today. So, Are you serious? Who that's is the... serious. I don't know. Um, I just saw it yeah, on my phone. He's still like the owner of it, no? Yeah, he, he's got to still works. play a part. But I was kind of like, huh. So I don't know. Do you, do you think it's because everyone on the internet is like, fuck Jeff Bezos? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, know yeah. much about it, but I know people like, and I get it. I, I totally understand. Like the wealth that that man has is just oh, it's, like, it's, it's, it's unreasonable. It's totally unethical. It is wrong. Yeah. Um, but like I do, like does that play? Is that playing a role in why he's not a CEO anymore? And also, like yeah. it's so easy to buy stuff from Amazon. Like I hate myself for it, but we're also living in a pandemic, and yeah. I don't want to go out to buy things. And when I could get things delivered to my doorstep the next day, I'm yeah. I have to do it. Like I don't know. <laughs> or if, how else will know, I get my dish soap? Yeah, or if my store doesn't have it, like you know, we we have a yeah. few stores in our area, and like thermometers were at a premium, so it's like uh, that was the only place I could get a thermometer was Amazon. I know it's crazy, yeah. and that's what's terrifying, and I I feel it happening. I'm like, I know this place is taking over the world, like yeah. completely. Um, but I don't know. It's when thing when something become when you become so accustomed to the way things work, um, and the way Amazon has just made so many things easier, it's really hard to get away from it. Like, why yeah. would I step away from something that's making my life less stressful? So that's, again, a whole other podcast. Yes. Yeah, we have two two new podcasts that we can branch yeah. off of. So yeah. <laughs> what about Big Fish? <laughs> what about Amazon? Um, all right. So I also found this very interesting. 
Um, according to Eddie, at a June 1st, 2006 concert, come, uh, come back from... Wait, I'm sorry. According to Eddie, this is what he's saying. Come back from the band's 2006 album is set with the same young man from Man of the Hour talking to The Departed two months later. So I kind of take that as, like, this song is... And I guess we could kind of start breaking down the song a little bit. Um, the song is very reflective. And um, I, don't, I don't... The tone of it is kind of hard to put into a word. Because it's sad. Because you know what he's singing about. But it's also very, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very loving or it's very... Um, um, compassionate? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. Okay. And it, it doesn't seem like... It's interesting because you would think it was kind of the other way around. Yeah. Like, to me, the lyrics of this song would be somebody reflecting on a death after they've had time to grieve. And to me, come back is something that, like that happens immediately when you lose somebody like you're just yeah. like praying to the gods for that person to come back to you yeah i um, wonder if comeback is like more of a sudden loss or maybe man of the hour uh, is maybe an expected loss i don't know yeah because it's possible because man of the hour it, that maybe this is the word i'm looking for it's very reflective yeah. sure on on his life um and for those you know if you don't if you're not familiar with the lyrics of the song the gist of the song is that it's it's a man saying goodbye to his father, which is obviously the theme of the movie that, you know, we just mm -hmm. talked about. Um, but the way he the way he sings it, it's very um, it's very reflective. And it's also it does have a little bit of this dramatic flair to it that the movie does. Like he's taking his final bow, like the mm -hmm. curtains are being closed. So um, it's very reflective in that sense. And it, it, it seems like it's coming from someone who's in a good place about the loss. Yeah. Like closure almost. Yeah. I agree with that. So, um, so when Eddie says that comeback is from, is, is the same man. It's the same man singing about the same person. Um, two months later. That that song to me feels a little more anguishy. I got you. So maybe it's more like stages of grief type of thing. I, yeah, I yeah. do. And you know, everybody yeah. deals with grief differently. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I do think that those two songs are really interesting perspectives on um, on how it feels to lose someone. Mm -hmm. um, so let's um, jump into the lyrics a little bit. Uh, any standout lyrics for you from this one? Yeah, pretty much right out of the gate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tidal waves don't beg forgiveness, crashed and on their way. Father, he enjoyed collisions, others walked away. I mean, that, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, this, this is a man who wasn't afraid to, I guess, you know, go for it or take chances or, you know, you know, he would always go on a dare if someone wanted to dare him. Um I, I think, you know, in, in the case of, of this movie and this story, it, again, it, it, it speaks perfectly to the main character, but still, I mean, just thinking about it, I mean, I think maybe in some, some, you know, child's life as they reflect upon maybe their father, or even a parent, you know, you kind of think of, of this person uh, you know, some people might think of their parents as kind of bigger than life and how they, you know, they, 
nothing can stop them and they're always going to solve everything for you. And I, maybe that, that could extrapolate that, that lyric to other situations. Yeah. I, I think that is like a perfect analysis of that. Um, and I do think that it re really reflects back to the movie, like about saying tidal waves, don't beg forgiveness. Um, you know, they, they're, their presence on this earth is making a huge impact, but you know, they're not, they're not asked, they're not apologizing for it. They're just living. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of like stomping through life the way that, you know, they want to, um, like father, he enjoyed collisions. Others walked away. Like he was never afraid of a challenge. You know, yeah. there's a whole story about how he met his, his wife and how he worked, he worked for three. He worked for free in the circus for three years just to get information about her. He didn't. Even, he didn't even know who she was. He just like instantly fell in love with her, and it's like he did not shy away from anything that he he wanted in life. Like there was this tenacity. No, no and when he when he met her, she was engaged. Yeah, she was engaged <laughs> to that jerk from him. the office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's engaged to yeah, Roy. To Roy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic Pim Jam Roy situation. That's right. That's right. Obviously the father is Jim in, in this uh in this story. But um <laughs> you know, I, I also find the lyric um a snowflake falls in May so interesting because mm -hmm. you know, I know you're in Wisconsin, so like that's not so unusual. I but wouldn't for be surprised, me, yeah. Yeah. For me it's something I've had actual legitimate nightmares about. And you know, I kind of wondered um, I kind of wondered why this lyric is kind of written here and I, I didn't really understand it at first but now that I'm thinking about it like when I read the lyric a snowflake falls in May you kind of think how could that be happening you know um, and I, I do think that's a you know that's a sentiment when you lose someone that's something that mm -hmm. you feel like in your soul in your mind like how could this possibly be happening you know mm. a person whose presence on this earth was was so huge and you know unapologetic and now it's just gone yeah like a snowflake falls in may how could that be happening yeah so that's my new interpretation of what that could possibly mean <laughs> oh, that's cool um what if what if the the person is a snowflake who just passed i mean yeah i don't know falling from the sky but <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, so then it goes into, and the doors are open now as the bells are ringing out because the man of the hour is taking his final bow goodbye for now. And we would, we'll hear that throughout the song a few times. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just, I definitely appreciate the imagery that Ed uses here because um, he's obviously writing about something that's very real and serious. And, you know, it's, but you also got to think from Ed's perspective too how emotional this must be with his daddy issues. Yeah. Um, so. For him, but for him to relate it back to the film by saying something like, "He's taking his final bow," like his his father obviously had a flair for the dramatics, yep. um, and and his like like we we're just saying like his life was obviously a presence on this earth, and it deserves some sort of final bow. And I just I love that that's a lyric that he used. Yeah, here I with do this. too. I do too. Um, I also want to bring up the, uh, the line father ruled by long division, mm -hmm. young men, they pretend old men comprehend. What, how do you take that? Yeah, no. Um, it, you know, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that I think a father son relationship probably, you know, let's say, you know, 
couple generations before us. Maybe it's it's not as close of a relationship. It's, you know, between the son and the father, you know, and um, and that's something that, let's say, in, in this case, the, the son can't um, necessarily... I guess the son, the son may not actually um, accept that type of relationship where, you know, let's say his father is used to that because he was treated like that by his father. Right. Whereas now, um, you know, it, you know, and they also want to try and make up maybe an excuse. So say young men, they, they pretend as far as an excuse or a reason as to why their father isn't closer to them or doesn't try to be closer to them. Um, and again, all men comprehend just because, you know, that's, that's the way it's been in the past. And, you know, it's just, uh, right. I guess for the previous generation, they're used to that. Yeah, that's a really uh, interesting take. And, you know, and that's something else that we didn't really mention about the movie is that, and a, another interesting analysis of it is the father in this story was not around a lot. Yeah. There was actually a period of time when when his wife, I mean, it was before the son was born, but, you know, he, his wife thought he was dead. Everybody, he was like presumed yeah. to be dead at one point. And then he kind of just shows up out of nowhere. He comes back. Um, and then the son talks about all the time, like, dad, you were never around. Like you were always working or you were always out somewhere doing something like not knowing what you were doing. Um, and I, I think that this lyric long division is interesting with that, like mm -hmm. a divided relationship. Um, and, you know, and you kind of look at it from the son's perspective, too. And you, you do kind of wonder the whole movie, like, why is he so annoyed and angered by his father's stories? Mm -hmm. And as his son, he probably felt the sense of abandonment. And then when he would come home and tell these fantastical, like, ridiculous stories, like, that's not what his son wants to hear. No. You know, he, he, he I'm sure he wants to, he just wants to connect with his father, like, on a in a true, deep way way um but like i guess i guess the father kind of felt like he he needed to make up in some way for him his absence and i think i do think from the father's perspective like what he was doing he was trying to make it seem like he was out doing these you know crazy wonderful things and living mm -hmm. this insane life when he at the end of the day he was probably just really providing for his family and you know, but from a from a little from a young boy, like that's like a really hard perspective to to handle, and you know that could be angering, and it, it kind mm -hmm. of describe it kind of explains a little bit why there is that you know that constant disappointment from the son throughout the movie. Yeah, I wonder if his dad maybe you know it's like you know his dad's first memories probably of his son are telling stories of you know it's, it's just like storytelling when you're trying to help your kid go to sleep and maybe right you know the fact that he's not around him or you know isn't hasn't been so close to him as he grew up is maybe his dad in some sense never actually saw his son in a different way than you know mm -hmm. and that little boy that he would tell a story and he always felt like he had to continue on that type of interaction um mm -hmm. Yeah, I, God, there's just, there, there's so much that you can 
interpret from any yeah. any two lines you take out of this song. There's a lot of layers in the movie yeah. and in the song, and like the lyrics especially. Um, yeah. I, I want to move on to the, not the Brit, the, uh, the part of yeah. the song that's not the chorus or and the, the road. <laughs> yeah, and the road. Yeah. The old man paved the broken seams along the way. The rusted signs left just for me. He was guiding me. Love his own way. Oh my God, that line makes me want to cry. Yeah. Um, now the, and then he says, now the man of the hour is taking his final bow. As the curtain comes down, I feel that this is just goodbye for now. Um, yeah, so that's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to bring up the whole rusted signs lyric. Yeah. Um, that's totally a throwback to the song Thumbing My Way, where he, Ed sings the lyric. All the rusted signs we ignored throughout our lives, choosing the shiny ones instead. Um, and then he says, I turned my back. Now there's no turning back. Um, I don't know if this was intentional on Ed's part, but it's so hard to not hear it once you hear it. Especially the way he sings rusted signs. Yeah. It's like identical to the way that he sings it to Thumbing My Way. No, I never noticed that until you, you mentioned that. Yeah, it's... I never noticed it in the song either until yeah. I was researching it. Um, so he sings in the song, the rusted signs left just for me. He was mm. guiding me love his own way. And then in the, the thumbing my way lyric, he says all the rusted signs we ignored throughout our lives, choosing the shiny ones instead. It's, I don't know. It just seems like there's too many similarities there for me. Like the rusted sign, like are the rusted signs, the memories, um, the life yeah. he led, or is it the pieces of him that are now in me? Um, and then you look at the Thumbing My Way lyric and he's saying all the rusted signs we ignored throughout our lives. Is it, and then choosing the shiny ones instead. Like, and, you know, you look at any young person, they, they try everything they can to not be like their parents or, yeah. you know, to ignore their parents. They, they want they want to pick the new shiny thing. Um, I don't know. I just think there's a, a bit of an interesting, um, connection between those two songs obviously the songs are about completely different things Mm -hmm. but um you know i'd be interested i don't believe that eddie brings up a rusted sign at any point (laughs) any other point (laughs) in his career but i'd be interested to know if if he really if he meant that i you could be onto something for sure i might be yeah they should they should um uh reach out to me. Yes. And be like, wow, Kate, you're really smart. You're the yep. only one in the world who's ever picked so, up on that. Eddie, if you're listening right now, <laughs> get a hold of Kate Cotton. Call me. Yeah. Um so how about like do you have I know you said the mm. beginning lyrics kind of stand out to you. Do, is that your favorite lyric? Do you have a favorite lyric? Is there a favorite moment? What's what's the feeling there? Well, uh, I, the beginning would be my favorite lyric. I guess musically, I love, you know, how and the road, the old man paved. And this is where I'm trying to to really pick up on something in the background. And this is, I, I love trying to pick up things in the background when I listen to music. And I can't tell, I actually, I even looked at whether or not if Boom is actually on this song or not, because I swear I hear you know, something in the background as in, you know, organ or or keys or anything like that as he's, you know, going through in the road, the old man paved. Um, I I think that's, you know, I just love that, how it, how it really helps accentuate that part of the song. Um, 
So uh, yeah, that to me, it just kind of, it starts to give me goosebumps a little bit just because of the, of the sound that starts to come in in the background. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That the song does kind of take a bit of a shift at that point. Um, the the song is very acoustic sounding up until that moment, mm-hmm. and then something swells in the background. You're right. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's all of a sudden a lot more emotional than it is in the verses and the cor- the choruses previous. Um, I, yeah, I do want to point out the guitar in this song because I really love the the guitar. I, I'm assuming it's Mike. Too that recorded that with him. Um, I just think it's so beautiful and totally adds to that, this, the charming feeling of this song and also the movie, like, um, you know, it's, it's nothing too much, but it's not too little either. I guess you could say. Right now it is my ringtone. So, uh, perfect. Yeah, no, it it is. I got a great 15 second clip. So yeah, I'm right there with you on the guitar (laughs) riff. It's, and that's why you never answer the phone. That's right. <laughs> Are you going to get that? Wait. <laughs> no, just just give me a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, I... I haven't really thought about my favorite lyric. I, I really just like, like I said before, I love the chorus. Yeah. Uh, the man of the hour is taking his final bow goodbye for now. Um, it's so... I don't know. Like you said, it's like the perfect funeral song or something. It's it's something that gives you this sense of resolve, but also ho- you're hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that people really need when they're processing loss. Yeah. It's, it's to go back to, you know, I think an earlier comment you made about celebration of life. I mean, you, mm-hmm. this song, I think, is, is encompassing a lot of that. And we're all celebrating this person's life. And now we're yeah. saying goodbye. Um, after this, or at least we'll see you again, depending on how you, how you view that. Um, yeah, that's, that's why I, I just, everything to that, to, to the end saying, I feel that this is just goodbye for now. That's like the end of the celebration, like the formal celebration of a person's life. Right. Yeah. And, you know, coming from someone and like, again, we're knocking on wood a lot tonight, but yeah. I've never... Um, personally experienced like a loss on the level that the the son experiences in this film um but i just you know i find those things hard to imagine happening um but then i hear a song like this and i just i kind of know that it can it can help me through it even if it's it's not going to heal me obviously because the healing comes from within but this song is definitely it's like a hand to hold um, when going, when suffering through something like that, because it, it is kind of incomprehensible. So for this song to feel so um, celebratory, yet, r- yet real, like we are still saying goodbye, but we can still look at mm-hmm. this in a way um, that it doesn't have to be so so hard and sad, and that you know maybe yeah. we are just saying goodbye for now. Like that's all. We, that's all we have to do right now in this moment is just say is just say goodbye right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I. I have felt that type of, I have had that type of loss. Um, I think, you know, a lot of what, what you do is you try to remember all the the happy moments and all of the, the fun, wonderful things about that person. Um, And, you know, that, that's what you're mostly reminiscing about um, leading up to, I guess, what would be somewhat of a state of closure. But um, yeah. um, 
Yeah, no, and it definitely makes you recall a lot of things that you didn't appreciate maybe at the time, um, mm -hmm. looking back on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is a good segue because I wanted to mention too that Eddie has kind of dedicated this song to um, a few of his, you know, lost, you know, fellow musicians over the years. Um, actually, specifically at the first performance, which I also want to shout out because it's an amazing performance of the song. It's the first ever performance of the song that um, Eddie actually had to get special approval for because it was before it was ever released officially yeah. um, at the October 22nd, 2003 concert. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm mixing up my notes. But I do want to shout out that he doesn't specifically mention anybody's loss in that performance, but that is a performance that is a standout one. Um, and any Pearl Jam fan knows it. Um, but, you know, since that original performance, he's dedicated it to Johnny Ramone. Um, he's dedicated the song to Lou Reed. Um, he did that on October 27th, 2013, who, when he had died earlier that day. Um, and then in August 2016, which was um, one of the Wrigley shows, he dedicated it to uh, the lead singer of Alice in Chains, Lane Staley, because um, it would have been his 49th birthday yeah. that day. Um, and he said, it's the birthday of a guy called Lane Staley tonight, and we're thinking of him tonight, too, 49 years old. Um, and then he dedicated this song to him. So. You know, just in case you wanted uh, to shed a tear before exiting this episode with us today. This <laughs> <laughs> <Which> is really, <laughs> you know, like I said, this song, it's um, it's sad, but it, it has its moments of light. And um, I just think that's a great way to dedicate it to someone. Mm -hmm. um, and for him to acknowledge Lane on his birthday like that, I, I, it's just, you know. You like to see that kind of thing. Because, yeah. You know, obviously, as fans of that era of music, yep. you, you kind of relate all of these people together. Yeah. So. Um, I did kind of want to bring up because I think it's um, interesting. Um, we like to uh, bring up hot takes on this podcast sometimes because sometimes okay. I have a hot take. Sometimes Jesse has a hot take. Sometimes our listeners have oh, a hot yeah. take. The Dinkometer. And yeah. this. <laughs> yes, the dink, the, the famous dinkometer. Um, and we actually had a, a listener comment on my post. Um, sorry for calling you out, but you posted it. Your <laughs> name's out there anyway, so I'm just going to say it on the podcast because I think it'll lead to interesting, oh, this is gonna be interesting. conversation. We okay. have from our friend Brian Cohen, in all caps, I hate this song. This and Dead Man are musical suicide. Sorry, not sorry. Whoa, Dead Man as well? I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you blind react to this. <laughs> um, uh, Brian, to each their own. Yes. Um, I, I don't know of any Pearl Jam song that would actually push me to that extreme. Mm -hmm. But uh, like musical suicide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would probably relate that to a band I don't like rather than to a band I do like, but, um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, Hey, maybe he's, he just, he's more into the, you know, into the, the heavy rockers and the bangers, which they have plenty of those, or maybe it's something more. Cause again, this is more of a, maybe more of a celebratory song between two family members. And maybe there are uh, to anyone, you know, there's a lot of other 
you know, especially, you know, in, in 10, just talking about maybe trying, trying relationships within a family. And I think, again, I'm not speaking for Brian. I'm, I'm just trying to speak yeah. to, to just how diverse our catalog is because this, right. this in itself, it, it, it's a bit of a, a standalone because I think a lot more of their songs are more in the, in the light of kind of darker and, and, you know, more of, uh, oh gosh, more lamenting loss as opposed to celebrating loss. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't think I can convince Brian of, of seeing this, <laughs> seeing so. this song in a different light after hearing those comments, but yeah. No. Yeah. And Obviously, again, everyone to each his own. If, yeah. you, if you're not a fan of this song, you're not a fan of this song. Um, I, I can see how this song might not be a standout to someone. Um, it, it never, honestly, it, from, from my perspective, it was never a standout to me. But that mostly is for the reason that it was never on an album or on Lost Dogs or it was just yeah. kind of released as its own thing. Um, so I never, I, I knew it. Obviously, I've known it, but I haven't given it that much time and I it probably wouldn't have really been on my radar too much um again after listening to it and spending a lot of time with it um I I just can't see it that way I can't see I think it's such a beautiful song I think it's such beautiful lyrics I think the music is extremely pretty but again you know, he might be the type of fan that doesn't want to describe Pearl Jam songs as pretty <laughs> which is totally understandable oh, yeah. because that's you know that they are kind of all over the place especially at, by 2003 like mm -hmm. they were really 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 after binaural and riot act came out they were really kind of yeah going in a, a whole bunch of different directions and this yeah. song was probably like i can't even believe that this is pearl jam um so you know i, I could see how those songs like this song and dead man are not necessarily standout songs for that reason um but I will let Brian's opinion stay with Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I appreciate the comment because we like that honest kind of stuff because it, you know, yeah. it, it gives us something extra to think about. Like, hmm, I wonder why someone might want to hate this song. Nothing like so, a good hot take. Yes. We love hot takes here at the porch. <laughs> um, all right. So I think that's, unless you have anything else to mention, um, I think that's all I have on my end. No, I, I, I think you pretty much hit everything that I had looked up on this song. So oh, good. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff out there. There's, there's still, there's still more we can go song. into. Yeah. I know there um, is. <laughs> there's obscure <laughs> facts ends. too about it too, but I won't go down that rabbit yeah. hole, but yeah. Yeah. If you want to know more about it, like seriously, yeah. it actually has a whole Wikipedia page, which yes. I was shocked to find. I was relieved because I didn't know much about the song. I was like, thank God. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, I think we're going to wrap this one up um, again, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Chris for coming on, hopping on with me this week. It's been a lot of fun. Um, if you want to be a part of our show, if you want to interact with us um, again, we are on Facebook and Instagram um, under the porch, you just search the porch podcast. You'll find us. Um, if you want to send us an email, tell us how you feel about this song. Maybe you have a hot take too. Um, you can email us at pjporchpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to find us on Patreon because you think that giveaways sound awesome and you think that mystery boxes sound even more awesome, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the porch podcast. Um, and you could sign up for one of the tiers. Each tier gets you a little bit more. 
Um, so I think that about wraps it up. Chris, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Kate. No, this is this has been great, and I I love your guys's podcast. So uh, keep on keeping on. This is great. All right, thank you so much. Yeah. All right. That is Chris Thomas, my illustrious guest host, signing off. And my name is Kate Cotton. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.